I'm Bob Waugh, and it is the 19th of May. It's Joey Ramone's birthday. He would have turned 70 years old today. I uh, feel so lucky that I, I got to know Joey. It's funny the way we met because I was doing a late night radio show, The Graveyard Shift, in New York on Long Island, and uh, Joey was living in Greenwich Village, and he used to listen to my show at night, and he used to call me with requests. I remember the first time I picked up the phone and a voice on the other end of the phone said, yeah, it's Joey Ramone. And I was like, yeah, right. But actually it turned out it was. So we got to know each other a little bit. I I went on to work with Joey at another radio station in New York later, and we just kind of kept in touch over the years. In 1992, when the Ramones signed to a new record label, Joey uh, contacted me and, and asked if I would be interested in sitting down to talk about the record. And of course, I said yes. So I thought on this, the 70th birthday of Joey Ramone, this would be a good time to uh, listen to this interview, which I had not heard in 29 years until last night. And I think it actually holds up pretty well. Let's remember and enjoy Joey Ramone on WRNR. What has kept this band together? I mean, what, why have the Ramones endured when so many other bands fall by the wayside? And, you know, a lot of your contemporaries, certainly the Ramones spearheaded the punk explosion in 76 and 77. There's not very many of those bands left today, and, and here are the Ramones. Well... I guess it's because we really enjoy doing what we do. And there's, you know, without sound cliche, there's a real love for what we do. You know what I mean? Uh, We enjoy playing. We enjoy touring. We enjoy playing for our fans because we feel they're the best. And uh, we enjoy playing for ourselves. You know what I mean? And um, I don't know. I think it's the ultimate high and it's the best therapy in the world, you know? What do you remember about that first uh, tour of England in 1976? I remember uh, it was really wild going over to England where, I mean, we were like, you know, we were selling out CBGBs and all. And I mean, kind of, there was a wild scene going on there. But when we got over to England, it was, we were playing for 3,000 kids and and everybody was already tuned in to... um, what it was that we were all about. And uh, I remember at the time, the, the big thing going on in England was pub rock. Dr. Feelgood was the big band at the time in Brimsley Schwartz. And, uh, you know, doing... I remember we, got, we were like treated like royalty when we got there. And uh, then we did this club, Dingwalls, and um, basically the whole makeup of Dingwalls were all these kids that would later form their these kind of groundbreaking bands of their own. And like at our sound check, uh, we met like Johnny, Johnny Rotten and Joe Strummer and all these people. And they were really, um, you know, they were totally taken with the band. And, um, and really uh, after that, when we left England at that point, uh, you know, they, I mean, they, they told us that, you know, we had turned them on, kind of opened them up and uh, inspired them to form their own bands, basically. 
when we came back in 77, the whole thing was uh, in full blown. And I feel like from that point on, you know, we really kind of um, brought upon a radical change that would really sweep the world, you know. popularity is at an all-time high in, in Europe and in particularly places like South America? Yeah, well, we're in South America. It's, uh, it's like this kind of mass hysteria that when we, um, especially like the last time we were there, it was just insane where, um, like, for instance, in, um, we landed in Brazil and the airport was like, you had to walk into the terminal from, from outside, you know? And all these kids were on the outer deck of the, uh, the like there was a deck uh, at, the, on, at the terminal, outside deck, and all these kids were like screaming and just mobbing the deck. And when we went into the, uh, to get our luggage, right? Like, um, the whole place was mobbed with kids, you know? We couldn't leave, like the, pa- like the luggage area. Like, even all the passengers, they were all, like, we were all being held hostage. And because the, the place was just swarmed with kids. And so they took us to a, a courtesy lounge. They brought a bus onto the runway, and they, we got a police escort to the hotel. And it was, it was, like, really wild. And Argentina was like, I want to do a radio station. And I got... like attacked by a thousand kids and it was like really scary you know because in South America they just um, they're very passionate people and they literally love you to death you know they want a a chunk of your flesh you know that's what it's not like here it's uh, it's very primal over there you know what I mean I mean it's great it's great but um, just um, it's got to be really different for it's, you. It's, yeah, it's very different when you uh, kind of lose your uh, sense of, um, of you know, well, you can't walk down the street. Right? And here in America, Spin Magazine, not long ago, naming the Ramones one of the seven most important bands in rock history, with this quote, no group in the last 18 years has been more important or influential. There's a real straight line from the Ramones to Nirvana. How did you feel when you saw that? Well, it came, um, you know, it was unexpected. I, I mean, I didn't even know about about the issue, you know. So uh, when I found out, I was, you know, I mean, it was, you know, it was really great. I mean, it was it kind of, you know, made me feel like there is justice in this world after all. You know, it was like a real honor. It was like real, really like the ultimate honor. And it was coming from... Uh, you know, other artists and critics and uh, fans, you know, I mean, they're the ones who kind of um, were involved with the voting. I mean, I just thought it was great being up there with my heroes, like the Beatles and the Stones and Jimi Hendrix and uh, Led Zeppelin, you know. And I can't wait till tomorrow I can't wait another day So the Ramones' new album, Mondo Bizarro, is out on a new label, but you've gone back to an old, familiar producer. Ed Stasian, who of course worked on the early Ramones albums, Rocket to Russia and Road to Ruin among them, and probably there's 
no one else who could be more familiar with what the Ramones were all about than Ed Stasian. Well, you know, we really love working with Ed Stasian, and he, he's been involved with us since 77, and um, nobody understands the band better, and nobody has the feeling, you know, I mean, Ed was always a, a big fan of rock and roll himself, and a fan of, like, exciting guitars, and, you know, and he understands how, you know, to record the band and kind of capture the excitement and power of what the Ramones are. And uh, he does it best, you know. I feel this is our best album. I feel uh, it's a real turning point in a lot of ways, and it's a real sacred offering, you know. I just think it's... um. A masterpiece. You talk about this new hunger, and, and I've heard that the Ramones have this new attitude, and, and after 12 albums and, and 16 years with with one record label, you're, you're with a new label, Radioactive. And I read somewhere that you've been getting some vocal coaching or, or singing lessons yourself lately. Uh, is that true, Jelly? And, and well, what's... I mean, I two and a half years ago, I've, I got sober. And uh, that has a lot to do with my, my kind of new way of looking at things, let's say, you know. I got a whole different, I mean, I'm coming from another place that I wasn't coming from like three years ago. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, for me, this album in a lot of ways is kind of, a, kind of a spiritual record to some degree. I mean, it's just that everything I did was, to, I mean, I'm very focused and... I knew exactly what I wanted in the writing of the songs, what they are about, the music and the lyric content. You know, I mean, it's, I guess especially the songs that I contributed. And, um, you know, I just felt everything I did. I mean, it wasn't like I just did something, but I was, I mean, I felt every nuance, every syllable. Because when I write, I, I, I write the bass lines and the guitar and the, the drums and the whole bit. And I just made sure that everything was exactly the way I envisioned it. So I feel like I fulfilled a vision. And um, this is an album I always sort of dreamt about making and never quite um, made. Just hearing you talk about the record, it really sounds like it's a really positive statement for you. Yeah, it's a real positive, optimistic record, you know. And um, I've, I've never been really more proud of anything I've done than this, you know. I mean, this... Uh, I feel this is the best I've done up to this point. You know, I mean, the makeup of the Ramones is, you know, what kind of fuels us as our fans are, you know, it's the music and it's sort of larger than all of us. And when we go out to play, I mean, you know, if you're fighting or not, you know, getting on with someone, it's, you know, when you get out there and you play for the, for the, for the kids, I mean, it all, um, it all seems trivial, whatever it was that, um, you know, and it all dissipates, and you don't even remember what it was. You know, by the time you get off stage, you know. And uh, actually, on the new album, I wrote a song for our fans called uh, "It's Gonna Be All Right," which um, is um, kind of showing our appreciation for them. The coolest thing about our fans is that uh, it's a very broad spectrum. I mean, we get kids into heavy metal and hard rock and thrash and hardcore and punk and 
alternative, and it's, it's really the spectrum, you know? Fans from all different walks of life and different musical backgrounds and different uh, races and creeds, and it's just like a, a big family kind of a thing. It's just um, it's like the great melting pot. Tell me about some of the players on this album and you and Vernon Reed sharing a cabbie experience? Yeah, well, uh, one night I left uh, Overland, our office. It's up on uh, 57th and Broadway. I grabbed a cab and uh, I was going down to the village, right? So I got in this cab and the guy took off and um, he was kind of racing down uh, Broadway, you know? And at first um, it felt like a thrill ride. It was very exciting, you know? And then he started weaving in and out of the cars and trucks and all the taxis. And it was a Friday night, and Friday nights are pretty congested in New York because everybody's going out. The disco was blasting out of the radio, and the guy was pretty oblivious to, uh, you know, what was going on here. You know, I mean, it was exciting, but then it started getting nerve-wracking, and then we were approaching Times Square, and um, I'd say we were, go we were doing about 90 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour, at this point, and I started getting a bit nervous. Everybody had stopped for the red light, you know, at, at uh, in Times Square here. And this guy was just racing along, and um, we were like almost right up on top of another cab when he like hit the brake at about 90, and I, th I thought we were just gonna plow right through the cab in front of us, and I kind of saw my life flash before my face and uh, before my eyes, and, and I didn't think I was gonna be walking out of this, you know, and um, you know, it was a real harrowing experience, a real kind of, uh, a real death ride, you know. And uh, I guess when my my terror subsided, uh, it turned to humor. And uh, when I got home in one piece, I, um, I wrote the song called Cabbies on Crack. You know, I wanted to kind of capture the feeling and put the listener in the, in the back seat the way I was and kind of create an audio-visual kind of experience, you know. So we, we got uh, Vernon Reed to kind of capture that experience with uh, the, his, his guitar uh, solo that he does, you know, which kind of, uh, kind of acts as, as the taxi. And it turns out that Vernon's had a few of those taxi experiences. Well, Vernon had a similar experience. Uh, he actually had the crack vials on the back seat of the cab. <laughs>
Let's talk about the first track on the album, the new record, Mondo Bizarro, Censorship, which is incredibly timely, although I understand that you wrote the song long before Gore was announced as a potential vice presidential running mate of Clinton. Basically, it's an open letter to Tipper Gore. Um, you know, like, there's, there's a new censorship in America that's only getting worse, and, and it's a real crucial time right now uh, with the elections, and, but just the state of America, you know? And um, our civil and human rights are under attack. Um, concerning the issues of um, women's rights, the, the issue of abortion, uh, record labeling, and, and this new censorship, um, the environment, the homeless, the deficit, you know, the SNLs, um, AIDS. And, um, you know, you want it, you're hoping to, like, um, to reach people and kind of open up their eyes and minds to what's really going down in America. And, um, you know, I mean, what's, you know, what, what typical basically did was open a can of worms um, and let the real uh, right-wing fundamentalists and extremists you know, take it a step further where, um, with the, with the record labeling, with, uh, people being, um, harassed and penalized and, uh, for selling certain albums in their record shops, uh, um, interrogated. I mean, it's very, uh, it kind of reeks of, like, um, the Nazis, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, it's, censorship is un-American and, and it's, a, it reeks of fascism, you know what I mean? And, uh, I just see Tipper as the devil. So you obviously feel that Tipper is still a threat, oh, despite yeah, I the mean, fact that people in the music industry... I mean, like, they've been kind of, um, you know, lately they've been kind of presenting her in this new light with her new hairdo and 
her singing that she used to play in an old girl rock and roll band and and uh her love of judas priest and this and that and uh and it's a joke you know and it's just um you know um it's just a lot of crap and people really got to stay on their toes and uh you know she's a powerful woman and um and it's 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 scary about the song touring which is on the new album um and somebody told me that that was originally recorded quite a while ago well it was written for the pleasant dreams album and uh actually there is a version that we had done with graham Goldman and that you know back then but i guess i had written uh well in, you know in 77 i wrote sheena and then later on, I wrote Rock and Roll High School, 
and then touring. And I guess there may be some similar aspects in, in the chorus or whatever of Rock and Roll High School and touring, you know. It's a very colorful song, and it's, you know, it's, um, it's a different kind of a song, you know. It's got a lot of parts that it just really works well, and it really kind of conjures up what it, you know, life with the Ramones on the road and just life on the road, you know, uh, anyway. You know, when you spend your life in the Holiday Inn and that becomes uh, the only home you know. And uh, it's a fun song. It's a really, it's a good fun song. And a lot of people are kind of uh, seeing it as like a, an anthem and this and that, you know. And uh, I think it's, I can see it becoming an anthem. Oh, 